What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. The voice that you're hearing, this country voice that you're hearing, is not the voice of Kenzie Dzinski, but it's the voice of her husband, Evan, and I've taken over the Brave Marriage Podcast for today. The Brave Marriage Podcast is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Thanks so much for being here. Today, we are going to be doing a Brave Marriage behind-the-scenes interview with Kenzie, kind of putting her on the other side of the mic and trying to get some honest answers about what goes on behind the scenes of Brave Marriage on a daily basis. And also today, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Brave Marriage podcast, which um, a year ago today came out for the very first time. So, Kenzie, I have some questions for you today. All right. Why Brave Marriage and how and when did it come about? So the concept for Brave Marriage actually came first. At the time, I had already opened a private practice and was working with couples and individuals, but I knew through each iteration of my business that I wanted to end up solely working with couples because that's my heart. That's what I love to do. And... So this idea was really a desire to see young couples do marriage well. And I know from the work that I do that that work is courageous. Like, in my opinion, there's no braver thing than to work on your marriage and to work on yourself and to take a look at both of those things as you do. And so that's kind of where the concept was born. I wanted to create a community of young couples who were intentional about their relationships in such a way that the Lord would be able to use those marriages in really cool ways for the kingdom. Yeah, that's a really good summary. I think for me, when I think about like, when did brave marriage really begin? I always think about when we, um, in our first year of marriage, you were talking about the first few years of marriage and just how important those are. I think back to our first few years of marriage and especially like four months in, five months in when we went to that marriage retreat and really learned a lot of communication skills. And um, it just kind of changed our marriage right from the beginning and got us off on the right foot. Um, And little did we know that we would face just a ton of challenges in our first five years of marriage and how significant that was. And when I think kind of from the outside looking in of things that impacted and influenced this idea of brave marriage for you. I I kind of go back to that and just seeing the significance in that. The second question that I have for you kind of goes to my amazement that now that we've done 50-some episodes at the Brave Marriage Podcast, and you still have just a ton of things to talk about. So if you would, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you obtain all of this information. Well. Background. Okay. So I started reading marriage books when I was about 14. (laughs) Wow. She was ready. (laughs) I, yeah, was curious about relationships early on, started dating early on, and, you know, got all the good Christian books on relationships and had the James Dobson marriage inserts in our bulletin every Sunday that I would read and think that was so cool. Nice. For those of you who don't know, James Dobson was the former president of Focus on the Family. And so he was this 
PhD who would write articles, and I enjoyed reading those. So people had told me growing up that I was a good listener, that they could see me being a counselor, and went to Asbury for undergrad and got that in psychology, and then went to Asbury Theological Seminary for grad school and got my master's in marriage and family counseling. I think being an academic my whole life is where I really learned to amass a lot of knowledge and how to put that together theoretically and academically. But when I started practicing and started doing what I'd always wanted to do, I really discovered my heart to be a practitioner and have found that I really love that piece even more than the academic side. And that was a hard transition to make. But really, the information that I consume now is more reading so that I can apply it to what I do. And I think you could probably speak better to the amount of information I take in <laughs> on it's a daily basis. Ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. My brain is just so different from yours. Like, I'm good. Like, I listen to a couple of podcasts or, you know, read a book or do a devotional or whatever. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I've taken in some information today. I've got some stuff to think about. We're good to go for maybe even a week. I mean, that was a really good devotional. I'll just think about that for a week. But you know, you do like five podcasts minimum a day and a devotional and an hour of journaling and thinking. And oh, then you go and do therapy for like three hours. And I'm like, how in the world are you like still even upright at this point? It's crazy. I just love making associations and thinking about things and then clearly. trying them out. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Clearly. It's pretty amazing. But hey, it makes great podcast episodes. So Thanks, babe. keep keep doing it. We're all getting a lot out of it. So my third question for you, kind of jumping ahead, is and you've mentioned a few people already, but who are some people that have really influenced you in your views of marriage and relationships? I think the podcast listeners have heard the most about my parents. They were in and out of marriage counseling as I was growing up, something I didn't know actually until college and had already felt called to what I do. But I think especially seeing the way that the Lord transformed their marriage and seeing that that happened in a way that fit their own dynamics and didn't necessarily look like this picture-perfect cookie-cutter way that I grew up in church hearing that marriage was supposed to be like, like these very set roles and it can't be any other way. And I think that was really valuable to me. In terms of influencing my work with couples, I would say Mary Ortwine, I've mentioned her on the podcast too, was a really big influence. She was my first boss and supervisor and taught me basically the foundations of what I know in terms of doing therapy. She just recently retired after several decades of marriage counseling. And so watching her and learning from her, I would say I owe a ton to her and really the idea that everything is a skill. And so relationships can be built because relational tools are just skills. It's not like some secret. It's like when you have the right information, your relationship gets better. It's hard work, but it's doable. And so I really took away that hopeful outlook on relationships from her. And the last couple I would say who I've never met is Jack and Judith Balswick. They're professors out in California at a small Christian university, and they've written several books on family and marriage. One is called A Model for Marriage, and 
I remember reading that the first year that you and I got married when I was in grad school Mm -hmm. and maybe even reading some of it to you, but it really outlined what a healthy relationship, what a healthy marriage should look like based on Trinitarian theology. So what does intimacy look like within the Trinity? What does unity look like? What does mutual empowerment look like? And then how can each of us apply that to our marriage so that we're really reflecting the glory of God? Yeah, I would agree with you. I've not read this book, but I I really see it as something like foundational in our marriage as well, Uh, not just in the teaching that you do and the therapy and counseling and coaching that you do, but also in our marriage, just how prevalent that model has been throughout and something that we kind of go back to as really a foundational piece of what we're about. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number four, what's the most challenging part of balancing your life as a marriage therapist and coach slash podcaster and just being a normal everyday person? I guess I wear several different hats, given the ones that you just mentioned. So my work as a therapist is different than my work as a coach is different than my work as a podcaster. And so I would say I actually, I enjoy wearing all those hats because I tend to focus really hard and consume a lot of information. And so I think if I were to just have one of those, that I would burn out pretty quickly. But I think with having coaching and therapy and podcasting is a good challenge for me uh, to do each of those well. And so I would say that's that's the reason that all those different components play in because I'm doing a little bit of everything that I love. In terms of balancing, I would say the biggest challenge is turning off my brain when I'm at home. Yeah. So it has helped that I've moved my practice to Lexington, so I have a 20-minute drive to and from, which helps me decompress a little bit. But I do most of my writing and podcasting here at the house. And so more than anything, I think it's being intentional to make time for us and to spend time with you and to be intentional about the relationships that I care about, my family relationships, and making sure we're scheduling going out with our friends once a month or so. I mean, I think we're pretty good about making time for us because we are in a unique situation where we have more flexibility and can make that work. But in terms of the challenge for me mentally, it's the being present wherever I am. And this year, I think I've especially focused on that more, just gaining more awareness of how, hey, Kenzie, you really need to make this a priority and learn how to do this well before you move forward with anything else business-wise. Yeah. And I and I just want to praise you for a second too. Like I feel like you just you do a really good job of this and balancing and people ask me all of the time when they ask like, Hey, what is you know, what does your wife do if they don't know you? And I'm like, Oh yeah, she's a marriage therapist and she has a podcast and all of this stuff. They're always like, Oh my goodness, like what's it like having a wife that's a marriage therapist and all this? And I'm like, actually it's fantastic. Like I love having you um, just being so knowledgeable about marriage and but just that you're able to balance it so well and just makes marriage fun. Thanks, babe. Can I ask you a question? Go for it. Because I hear the funny jokes all the time as much as you do like, oh, your husband, what does he think about this? Mm-hmm. So I would like you to set the record straight. What is it like being married to a marriage therapist? 
It's actually great. I mean, I always tell people this. I'm like, it's great because you're always working on your marriage. When you're constantly taking in information and we're constantly having conversations about new things that you're learning and these new associations that you're making, and it just kind of helps me stay focused and, you know, aware of what's going on between us and what's going on with you and, you know, what's going on with me. And I think it just really helps you continually to grow. You know, when we think about the mission statement for Brave Marriage, like growing as individuals and doing marriage with intention, like being married to a marriage therapist helps facilitate all of those things in in my life. So it's just, it's really good. And um, yeah, I'm not complaining. It's great. (laughs) So do I therapize you? All the time, no. I'm just no, joking. come on. <laughs> no, not at all. You're you're really good about that and kind of keeping that distinction. And we get in arguments and fights and it's true. All the things that normal couples do as well. I think people always think that too. Like, oh, your marriage has to be perfect. Like, your wife is a marriage therapist. I'm like, no, actually, um, I'm mad at her right now. And we're like <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just it's all about you know sorting it out and using those skills that you learn and continuing to to grow. All right, back to me asking the questions. Question number five, what energizes you to keep doing the work that you're doing? Because I know it has to be challenging. There's days when you come home and it's been a very difficult session with a couple. So what energizes you to keep going? The first thing that comes to mind is that I really feel called to what I do. It really feels like something bigger than myself, like I'm just being used to help facilitate things in couples' lives. And so in that way, it makes it a little easier sometimes because I know that at the end of the day, people are going to change if they want to. I can't make that happen. Only the Lord can change hearts and minds. And so I think learning not to put that pressure on myself, I think there's a little bit of challenge in it for me. I think sometimes when it is hard, I enjoy the challenge of thinking through and figuring out where I'm going to go next and how I'm going to approach the next session. And in the cases that are harder, seeing the fruit of that, seeing the reward, just sticking it out to see the hills and the valleys and the hills again and to see people make progress, even if it's the tiniest little bit. And I think that most sessions aren't actually like that for me. It's probably like maybe one out of all the clients that I see in a week. And so I think just having that balance and seeing seeing people change and seeing marriages get better, like it's just worth it to me. Like it's worth it to sit with people in the hardest times of their relationships and of their lives sometimes and have hope for them before they have it for themselves, but then to watch them grow into that and realize it. I'm sorry, I have to ask you another question. Mm -hmm. When you do see me come home and you can tell whether I'm energized or whether it's just been a good day or whether something's on my mind from work, how do you navigate that knowing that the work I do is confidential, but seeing, seeing how I come home for my day? Yeah, I mean, that can be really challenging sometimes because, you know, I I do want to just know like what's going on? Like what happened? You know, like in other people's jobs, they can just be like, oh, well, so-and-so did this and so and you know, this has happened. And I'm like in on the scoop, but I'm not in on the scoop. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely challenging. But 
I can definitely just tell, though, when you come home some days and whether there's been a breakthrough or something that you're just energized and ready to go. And that, and that just makes me happy just to see how much excitement that your work brings you. So even though that I don't know what's going on, seeing the excitement that it brings you just makes me happy and makes me want to encourage you even more. We've never talked about that before. All right. Question six. This is a fun question. What's been your favorite moment since you started the Brave Marriage podcast? The first thing that comes to mind would be the day of the launch, just getting different feedback and seeing people sharing it on social media or sending me texts and saying, hey, my friend reached out and they gave me this feedback and so now I'm sharing it with you. It was really exciting that it was really well received and I don't know how to explain it. You were there, but I just felt so excited and grateful and humbled. And so that was a really cool day. And that was actually a year ago today. Yeah, I do remember that day. And just the start of something new can be so daunting, but just seeing people's response and encouragement on that day was was really fun to see. I think another moment that comes to mind is... I had a client who found me through the Brave Marriage podcast and got connected with the quiz and came into the office and we worked together. They've since finished up and just the state of their relationship coming in to the state of it afterwards, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. I feel like that, (laughs) I wish I could tell you about it, but... Welcome to my life, people. (laughs) I feel like that kind of encapsulates why brave marriage, like that first question that you asked me. That's the hope, is that people's lives would be like so radically transformed that it would then have a domino effect, that they would go out and that the Lord would be able to use them in their business or ministry or life or whatever they have going on together. One other is recently I went to a friend's wedding And I didn't realize that half of the family was listening to the podcast. And I kept coming in contact with each of them on separate occasions. And like from the son to the daughter to the son-in-law to the parents were like, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. Hey, I've been listening to the podcast. And each of them shared a little something that had been significant to them. And that was really cool. It was really meaningful to hear different generations being impacted in different ways by listening. So. That stands out as a favorite, too. I think when I think about it, one of my favorite moments, because I think I get to add my own favorite moment, right? Sure. So one of my favorite moments is just, so I work with college students, and one of my favorite moments is just being able to do that with you. We've had several students we've had relationships with that have gotten engaged and married and just being able to, you know, walk through that process with some of those students has just been really fun and really rewarding. Okay, question number seven. So based on the statistics at the one-year point, most of the listeners are in their 20s and 30s and have been married for less than 10 years. So kind of putting you on the spot here. If you could give those couples one piece of advice for their first few years of marriage, what would it be? My sarcastic answer is if I only had one piece of advice, I would not have a year's worth of podcast episodes. However, your question reminds me of a question I got 
back in 2015 from a family friend when they asked, what's the most important part of marriage or something to that effect? What, you know, what's the make it or break it thing? And my answer was trust. And this person agreed. And so along those lines, I think it's super important that couples learn to trust each other in their first few years of marriage. And by that, I don't mean put all the boundaries in place and, you know, make sure you protect your marriage. It's not like a fear-based trust, but it's like, how do I lean on you when I need you? How do I make myself emotionally available to you when you need me? How can we be there for each other? And how can we go to the places together and learn to go there in ways that we're never going to do with anybody else? That requires a lot of trust to deepen intimacy like that because it is a risk. And so I would say to do the active work of that process, starting with the communication skills, starting with the Courageous Conversations workshop, and then deepening from there. Because, you know, people know how to communicate, but it's totally different to connect on a deep level where people are getting to their core fears and desires and that sort of thing. All right, the last question that I have for you, it's a fun question. What do you do when you're not working? Well, now that it's summer and students are gone, I spend a lot of time with you. Good choice. (laughs) Going on three or four mile walks when it's sunny. I, like you said, like to get up and journal and spend time with the Lord and... Lots of sunrises. And sunsets. And I like to read and listen to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Always taking in new information. Oh, and hiking. Yes, hiking. We do love a good hike. And that's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Brave Marriage Podcast. Kinsey will be back next week with voices from the Brave Marriage community. Now, here's Kinsey one more time to tell you a little bit about a giveaway she's doing. Yes. So if you haven't already seen in your inbox, if you're not on the email list, I'm hosting a giveaway where seven people will win. So be sure you enter. You can do that by calling 859-474-0182 and leaving a voicemail, letting this community know how the podcast has impacted you. Or you can go and leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. Those will get you different amount of entries. So be sure you check your email to find the details and winners will be drawn toward the end of June. All right. Thank you guys again. We hope you have a wonderful day and you'll hear from some of you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not about Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile. Like another intro, so we have it, and then you can choose which one you want, and we can just do multiple. Like starting from the very beginning? Yeah, do you like that one? Yeah, it's a one take wonder. You can't go back (laughs) on that. (laughs) Okay.